Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jake Umar, editor-in-chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talked to Pete Riley, practice leader and chief sales officer of Hub International's North American Healthcare Practice, about the challenges facing healthcare staffing and retention. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Pete Riley, practice leader and chief sales officer of Hub International's North American Healthcare Practice. Welcome, Pete. Thank you very much, Jake. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Um, and before we uh, start talking about uh, healthcare staffing and retention, I was wondering if you could uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at Hub International. Sure. Um, my role uh, as, as the healthcare practice leader is to work with our various offices across both the U.S. and Canada in terms of uh, not only understanding and thinking about client-facing issues. Uh, we are an insurance broker and as, you know, as an intermediary, do a lot of work with insurance carriers and negotiations and uh, work with them. Uh, but really the, the biggest overarching piece, I think, Jay, is trying to keep uh, as much of a pulse on what is going on in healthcare, uh, not just from a traditional risk management standpoint of you know property protections, uh, those types of things all being very important, but some of the other issues that uh, you know, face healthcare in general, not just today, but down the road. I've been in the uh, insurance brokerage world uh, for, I guess it'll be my 34th year doing healthcare for 33 of it. Uh, and so that's a very macro sense, but I worked with over 300 professionals across the country, uh, countries, again, US and Canada, uh, who really focus on on healthcare of all sorts. Well, definitely uh, one of the bigger issues that you know, we've been writing about, and I'm sure you've been seeing is healthcare staffing and retention. What are you seeing as the biggest challenges in that area? Well, Jay, I mean, in a, again, in a industry-wide sense, um, healthcare staffing has been a, a, a wave we've all seen off in the distance. And that was a case of we didn't have enough sort of primary care physicians in some rural areas and, and the nursing shortage, as people called it then. Well, COVID and, and sort of related pandemic uh, issues took it from being a, a challenge to a crisis. And we're seeing a number of different facets that are impacting really every segment of healthcare from hospitals and health systems to you know, your, your local family physician to your know, senior care, which has really been decimated by healthcare is a tough job to begin with. And it is becoming increasingly difficult to retain the talent and skilled individuals that are there, and not just the doctors, not just the nurses, but all the way through the organizations, um, and then attracting new talent, even those coming out of uh, nursing schools or other healthcare education. Um, the cost of attracting talent has gone up, uh, and the Willingness of some of those professionals to put up with some of the conditions uh, has um, shortened, and in many instances, justifiably so. So we're seeing a broad and wide challenge for healthcare to maintain their patient contact, if you will. I don't think we've seen significant drop off in the quality of care uh, in many, many instances. I'm sure there are uh, examples that could be cited. And that's due to, I think, the real commitment and the calling a lot of the healthcare professionals have when they go into that field. But it's simply becoming difficult to keep them because of the pressures, the the, the, the psychological pressure these folks are under, the burnout, 
and then it's expensive to either becoming more expensive to retain them or find new folks to replace them. Um, so that's it on a very macro sense. And I think it's particularly difficult uh, in, in senior care and in some rural communities where, you know, it it takes a real commitment on the part of the entire staff uh, at some of these senior care facilities to maintain the level of care we want, expect, uh, but that these what these people want to deliver. And so I know that's a bit of a long-winded answer, but if we start to pull on this thread, there's a number of ways that it that it can go. Well, I mean, and, and that that issue with senior care is only going to get compounded by the fact that, you know, our population is aging and, you know, by 2031, I believe like the entire baby boomer generation is going to be uh, considered senior citizens, um, which right. is only going to add to the number of folks who are going to be you know, needing, uh, you know, healthcare services and, you know, needing those kinds of uh, uh, post-acute facilities. So, you know, how, you know, with that kind of sitting on the horizon, uh, how is that, you know, how are, how is healthcare positioned to deal with that? Well, um, I'm not sure that they are yet, but I think there's efforts underway. And you're absolutely right. There's going to be this continued wave of baby boomers. I don't know that they will continue to be in the same sort of uh, senior care facilities we've all grown used to. If you're over 45, you know, nursing homes were sort of the broad title that I think are was a real misnomer between skilled nursing to assisted living. Um, but all of those are going to see an enormous population and i think a significant portion of that will go into the home and you will see sort of stay at home care but that won't alleviate the need to have professionals who can go deliver that care so i think what you're seeing is one you're seeing a, a bit of an explosion in sort of the healthcare staffing industries and while that is a double-edged sword because there's real cost to that. You know, nurses are able to command wages well above what would be traditional market norms. But that is one of the ways that healthcare is going to have to deal with that. I think you will see likely continued segmentation around the specialties within those staffing firms. And at least, and this is purely conjecture from Pete Riley and conversations I've had with a number of people, there's going to become not only private uh, equity and other uh, private money investment into that field, I think we're going to see uh, potentially you know, public funds and government funds there to help, um, again, promote, attract, and retain the staff to to continue to do so. While we see it at the moment in post-acute facilities, as you mentioned, I think we're going to see uh, a growing need for those in-home nurses. They may be, you know, CNAs and the like, but the healthcare industry is starting to realize, just as so many industries have, we need to create the next generation, be it through internships, through through different training, um, on a much broader sense than what we're doing now. So they're starting to have that conversation because, in a the simplest, I guess, sort of form to try and put it, the customer experience in healthcare is is everything. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like your doctor, you can try to go to the new one. Or if you don't like your you know, the nurse, it's just not going to end well for. Or the caregiver, I should say, it's yeah. not going to end well for anyone. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you know the struggle to retain staff and attract staff was taking place for years before COVID hit. COVID yep. made it worse. But you know, what are some of the issues that kind of w- was leading to that? I mean, I think you hinted at one of them, which was 
uh, you know, sort of the the abuse that healthcare workers have to put up with on a daily basis, you know, not even just from patients, but also from colleagues sometimes, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a huge issue. It is indeed, Jay, and, and at least the second one you mentioned has always been a bit of a tension between, uh, you know, doctors and nurses, and, and that is not to say that it's universal by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a natural friction when you have, again, caregivers, be, be the nurse who is doing to, trying to do everything he or she can to care for the patient, and she may disagree with some of the tack the doctor may be taking. So it was already a stressful job yeah. in, in any delivery. Um, the pandemic just made it so much worse because not only were they seeing, as you mentioned, negative reaction from the patients sometimes who were just not feeling better and going through absolutely intensive care, well, that stress from the patient certainly pours out in their family and their other loved yeah. ones. Yeah. was poured out on uh, healthcare staff and uh, you know facility staff right down to those you know on the janitorial or purely administrative staff almost everywhere. And so I think healthcare providers and organizations of all sorts are really beginning to look at, and again, it's a very nebulous term, but the sort of the, the quality of an employee, an employment experience, you know, wellness, uh, mental health. I just read a recent article, I think, in the Wall Street Journal that um, the younger generation, people under, say, you know, 30, are seeking you know, mental health care in record numbers compared to prior generations. And I think that's a direct result of how healthcare is trying to cope with all the ills that came out of the pandemic and they're not all physical. That's going to be true in particular, and I'm, I'll divert a little bit from what is a traditional space where insurance brokers play, at least on a risk management side, but in the design implementation, assessment, and ongoing evaluation of employee benefit programs mm -hmm. and what is being offered is going to move away from the traditional, what's your medical plan, what's your dental plan, here's your 401k. And there's going to need to be much greater flexibility that if you're 24, what you're looking for in your benefit plan and its design and what your employer is offering is going to be very different than someone who's in my position who, you know, was in their you know, mid to late 50s. And healthcare, I think, is going to need to be on the, the front foot of that effort because technology is helping. There is no question that it's virtual care and telehealth are doing wonderful things. Um, we're seeing use of robotics and other technologies to truly help. But at its core, it is still a people business. And healthcare is going to need to present to the potential employee population, even the 1099 folks who want to be contracted, are going to need to have a, a higher quality uh, employee employment experience. Um, but again, that will depend on, you know, if you're in Canada, you've got the, uh, with their health service, the National Health Service is, is going to be different than what you find in the States. Um, but what I can say for certain is those who don't begin to look in that direction, and this is going to go all the way down to you know, your local physician's office, retaining and uh, attracting staff is going to become only more challenging unless some thought is given to that sort of approach.
I know that's and, a long-winded answer, and it touches on a yeah, lot of yeah. things, but it's a. I mean, it's a it's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, um, and 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 I don't envy those who have to implement it every time, but it yeah. is one. Um, and again, we are seeing that dialogue, the uptake on that dialogue, ten, you know, fifteen fold from pre-pandemic. And you're also dealing with now a generation that, you know, they're not looking to stay at, to work at your hospital or your, you know, your facility for 20 years. They're not looking to, you know, stay there their Correct. whole career. If they don't like what's going on, they could find a job somewhere else pretty easily, I'm guessing. And sad to say, but true. Um, the, the positive side to that is it will force a dialogue that needs to mm-hmm. take place, most likely. Uh, the, the, the sad part is, you know, it may be easier to work in a, you know, retail setting at yeah. uh, you know, your local mall from nine to five than it is uh, to continue to be a care provider in a very stressful facility. But the piece I think healthcare can can sometimes forget is, and I don't mean to paint with an overly flowery description of this, but I can think of few industries that are probably more rewarding than than healthcare when you see a patient you know, cared for properly all the way through, you know, from childbirth to to hospice. Um, the impact on people's lives is enormous, and I think there still is uh, a real desire by a lot of folks to to work in that type of space and how healthcare can manage the mission with uh, when I say the money, you know, the cost mm-hmm. of of employment. Uh, they have a unique uh, sweet spot that I think if those who get it right can really have a positive impact and people won't go moving necessarily as much as they might. But the premise of your question is, yeah, if you don't like your current job, there's there's something close by probably, or you can pick up and move uh, to something you do want to do. Um, and, you know, along with retention and, you know, you know, we were talking about recruitment, how should healthcare organizations approach staff recruitment? What, you know, I, I think, you know, what you're sort of saying is, you know, you want you want to get that message out there about sort of the rewarding part of the job, um, but you also need to approach and discuss. You know, what are we going to do to help you through the tough times? Yeah, I think healthcare, and again, in a very macro sense, well, historically there have been very strong associations around hospitals or uh, you know uh, medical uh, office management. Um, there's going to be a need for healthcare to think pretty broadly and get out into the communities. And by that, I mean, start recruiting, uh, you know, kids out of high school to work in the more entry level, you know, less technical clinical sides of, of healthcare because it's no less needed. And they're going to be, and we see many, many partnerships with hospitals and health systems with uh, nursing schools or, uh, you know, medical schools, that is going to have to continue because the short answer to your question of what what can they do what are they going to have to do they're going to have to go out and find talent they're going to have a bit of a talent war that many other industries do certainly finance um and i think it's going to require a bit of a change in how healthcare has historically sought uh their employment base when i say doctors are easy i mean we know where those come from there's a known source coming out of medical schools and and the residencies in that piece to a lesser degree, but there's there's some truth to that around, uh, you know, nurses and nurse practitioners. That next level down, uh, just as in my business, uh, the commercial insurance business, 
a number of organizations have really started and have been doing so for now probably a couple of decades getting into internship programs. That's our next pipeline. Healthcare is going to have to do something like that. And I think they're probably going to have to have people on staff, you know, in the HR department who aren't just, you know, recruiters per se, but they're going to have to get out into the community and really identify where there's a pipeline of talent and do it for a generation, if not more so, that may be a uh, a whole new, you know, um, sea change in how they're going to have to go find talent. Um, but I do think they can do that because healthcare is everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, how can organizations design their workplaces to improve worker satisfaction and retention? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, if you look at a hospital, you know, you look at the ER and that's sort of just like the pressure point of the hospital where you've got, you know, people coming in up the street, angry people, you get angry family members, you know, and the people who work in those and those ERs are are just, you know, in a, in a uh, it's, you know, it's pressure a, pot from the beginning absolutely. of the day. So. I couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I, my guess is, and, and talking with some of my colleagues here at Hub, I, I think we're likely to see and I want to call it tiered benefits programs. And again, benefits aren't just the traditional, as we talked about, you know, medical, dental, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have to design that sort of, again, employee experience that if someone is in the, you know, the ER, who not only is under that pressure pot, as you mentioned, but also, you know, there's, you know, now, unfortunately, the threat of violence and you can't lock the doors in ER. So they're going to need a, a probably very different set of, of true, you know, benefits, resources, tools to help them cope, do their job, maintain doing their job, then you will some other folks uh, within healthcare. And so while I think there has been a bit of a one-size-fits-all approach to benefits in uh, healthcare, again, particularly in the States, and again, Canada has had a bit of a an easier time for some of that because of access to, um, you know, covered medical care, I think we're going to start to see tiered or different layers that, you know, yes, you may be younger working in the ER. And that's going to have a whole different set than a younger person who's working, you know, back in, in, in just the lab. Right. But you will then have, you know, someone at my age in the lab who will have a different tier from the, their younger colleagues. Same is true. So it's going to become, I think, a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. And that's going to be very, very challenging um, I think at the outset, it's going to be overwhelming to underwriters, brokers, buyers, you know, end users. Um, but healthcare is n- under such a, a sea change. And everybody always says, oh, we've never been here before. Well, that was true when they invented the scalpel, you know, and got it to that <laughs> yeah. degree. Yeah. Um, but we are in, I think the, the pandemic still has not been fully appreciated for what it has done to how we look at medical care uh, and the skepticism that has come with it from some degree, that you're going to have to have a, a a true menu of options for people to choose what they want um, in order to retain them, uh, and more importantly, in five years to attract them. Yeah, and I, you know, I think some things I've been reading about too is just improving the the patient experience of you know going to the hospital, making appointments, doing it ahead of ahead of time, checking in ahead of time, so you're not sitting in a waiting room filling out forms or whatever. You've already done that, speeding yep. up the process a little, and by virtue of doing that, 
it improves the worker experience because they're not dealing with somebody who's, you know, super <laughs> angry because they've been sitting there, you know, filling out paperwork. It's it. Yeah, you are that being another aspect to it. You're absolutely correct. And if you look at how and this probably being the worst possible example, but the experience at the DMV has never yeah. been good because it yeah. is, you know, everybody shows up at the same time and you sit and all wait for that function to happen. The poor folks at the DMV didn't design it that way. They're right. not looking to make you angry, but there's been no change to that system. Whereas now, you know, retail food from fast food to, uh, you know, anything but really fine dining, the ability to order now online, have it ready or delivered or whatever the case may be, you know, in healthcare, if I just need to come by to get my prescription, I don't want to have to wait in that long line. You know, yes, I'm pre-approved. This is me. We now have ways to <laughs> ensure it's you. Boom, out you go. I think with the exception of, of emergency, you know, how do you make the arrival in an ambulance right. any better? But for so much else, I think you're spot on that, you know, if you're going in for regular chemotherapy, if you're going in for a, a, a follow-up, um, whatever that is, designing a better, and I'm going to call it customer experience, because at that point, that's almost how they need to be treated. I think will bring a better employee experience because, again, a group of people who want to do right by their patients have that calling, but then they're able to do it more efficiently and talk with them and get to know them as opposed to just moving the, you know, from one room to the next. I don't think anyone has necessarily come up with that process yet, but there has been uh, the National Rural Health uh, association, NRHA, had a speaker a couple of years ago, uh, and I think his last name was Orlovsky, so please don't quote me on that, but I can find it and send it to you. Uh, but he was really talking to uh, the need to understand the customer experience coming into your healthcare facility. That is going to require a redesign of how patients come to get to their healthcare. Um, telehealth and virtual care can be used to improve so much of that, but those, you got to improve the wait time. Yeah, you know, you and I were able to click on and and see one another in seconds. Right. We're going to want to have some uh, improvement there within healthcare, and there is going to be a role for government to break down some of the walls for credentialing, licensing across state lines to make sure patients can see providers when and, they want to. And telehealth has helped with that, which was it a, has you know a side. Uh, I guess side effect of the pandemic was, you know, it kind of pushed everybody into having to, you know, use their user technology and it's, you know, it's worked, uh, you know, it's, you know, for visits where you do don't necessarily need to be seen in person. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's taken, it's at least cut that much out of, you know, the, the, uh, uh, backlog of Correct. You know, the, the facilities are dealing with. So, so that's a and, positive. And- and that's true of, of of mental health, you know, all the way through to seeing just a hey, I, you know, look at my finger, it's sideways, and they can tell you what to do. And I've even begun to see and hear about some use of, you know, uh, teledentistry, which oh, wow. with cameras being now so good, if you've got a true toothache or you've had it broken out in front, it it can be done. So there's gonna uh, they're going to need to be that embrace of that technology to help this flow. Traditionally, that was all put into, you know, med tech was into, you know, med devices and what was going into the human body. Well, the process and the need to, you know, again, improve the patient slash customer experience is going to have to happen because it will all come back to 
the initial premise to your question. When an employee feels they're doing good and they're satisfied and they're happy with what they're doing, you do have a direct correlation with retention and people wanting to come to work for a good culture. Well, let's hope, uh, you know, we can uh, continue to make some progress along those lines. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great. Jay, thank you. Uh, we could certainly talk for a lot longer on this. Yes. Uh, always happy to do so. But uh, thank you very much for, for getting this out there because it does need to continue to be talked about. And uh, uh, it's good stuff. Thanks for the yeah. time. All right. Thank you. That wraps up episode 91 of PSQH, the podcast. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at PSQH.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again and stay safe.